Welcome to the Life Church. We are so excited that you've tuned into our program to listen to a wonderful message. On behalf of Pastor Walt Landers, our senior pastor, we just want to say thank you. Our mission here at the Life Church is to connect people with God's purpose. If you don't already have a church home, we want to invite you to join us at 3301 TLC Way. Now let's prepare our hearts to receive a word from God through this morning's message. This morning, as uh, as we get started, we're starting uh, a new series. And in all honesty, I felt like that last week we kind of kind of kicked it off with Resurrection Sunday. And uh, again, we emphasize the aspect of part of who we are as a, as a church um, with connecting people to God's purpose. And so we, we talked about that. And, um, and this morning, I, I actually um, I had something different planned. And on Saturday, I started feeling like that uh, I would maybe shift and not, um, not go that direction. And felt like there was something different that, that God had for me. And so as I, as I started, you know, coming through uh, just studying and, and really looking to, to the, the leading of God, I, I was able to rest on this. And this is post-resurrection. And so this is, uh, really goes back to Sunday morning of what took place with an individual by the name of Mary Magdalene. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some others that, uh, that were also in this passage that, um, that God invaded their world because they mattered. And it didn't matter what they were facing. When, you, when we look at Mary Magdalene, we look at what she, what's going on in her life, it's obvious that she was brokenhearted. With the disciples that were talked about in this passage in John chapter 20, it talks about that they, they were running for their lives. They had, they had literally locked themselves in their homes for fear. Uh, talks about Thomas that uh, he wasn't there when Jesus appeared to those disciples in that. And then eight days later, Jesus shows up to personally talk and invade Thomas's world. And Thomas, again, believed. And so wherever we're at, I think we're going we're gonna to discover that we matter, that you matter. And so as we get started in this, um, the, the first thing that I, that I thought, well, let's just read this. We'll, we'll read this passage. And, uh, and again, just to set it up, rem- remember, this started off with, with Mary here at the beginning of chapter 20 to where on Sunday morning she goes down to the tomb. And as she goes down there, the sto- she finds that the stone is rolled away and the body is, of Jesus is missing. And so she goes back, she tells the disciples, and then, boom, it, it talks about Peter and, and uh, another disciple got in a foot race. And obviously, Peter's a slow guy. Because <laughs> ta- yeah, in the story, I mean, it's, inter- it's sometimes hilarious the way the Bible just tells us the story, you know. And it talks about this other disciple that went blowing past him. Beat Peter to the, to the grave, to the tomb. And yet, here's the interesting thing, is he beat Jesus, or beat Peter to the tomb, but the reality was, he wasn't going in there. But you know what? Peter's personality, get out of the way. And he blows into the tomb, and he looks, and the body's missing, but the grave clothes and the linens, they, they actually were folded up nicely, and 
laid there on that slab of rock. If you've ever been or ever seen pictures of what those tombs look like. And then it says that Peter slipped out and the other disciple looked inside and also saw it. And then it says they left and went home. Lock the doors. The Jews are after us. <laughs> they're trying to, they're killing Christians. Any Christ followers, they're, 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 they'll kill us. And so they left and went. But one, the person, Mary Magdalene, that was there first to observe what happened as far as the stone rolled away and Jesus' body missing, it says that she was still there. Let's, let's read this story. We're going to pick up here in verse 11. Verse 11 says, But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. Typically, it's, it's just a, a rock opening, and so you've got to kind of get down and, and be able to come into it. And then it's a, a cave, if you will, there. And, uh, and so, remember, Joseph of Arimathea's, you know, loaned. <laughs> you know, he thought he was given, but he only, you know, Jesus just borrowed it for three days, right? And so, he, so she, she looks inside, look at this, and she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. You know what I was reminded of? And just hold the, hold the slide right there, guys. What I was reminded and thought of in my mind was the, the Ark of the Covenant with the two angels, the cherubims. In, in the Ark of the Covenant, when you look back at in the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies where the Ark sat, or, or in the tabernacle when it was, you know, pretty open for all to worship. Those cherubims were there, and it says the manifestation of the glory of God, of God's manifest presence, was there between them. And the, that top of that, of that ark was called the mercy seat. And once a year, the high priest would go behind the veil and would, would take the, the, the blood of a, of a spotless um, lamb and pour that over the mercy seat for the sins of the nation from the prior year. And here she looks inside and here's two angels, one at the head, one at the feet. But Jesus' body is gone. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. So something happened. <laughs> I, I just picture, I'm trying to play this in my mind, that s something obviously caused her right then to, to turn around. I, I, th I think, you know what I think? I think those angels that were sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet, and they, they're chilling, and they're there, all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, and they went, attention <laughs> and she went oh what are they looking at and turned around and there was Jesus and Jesus was standing there and he said to her woman why are you weeping who are you seeking she's supposing him to be the gardener he had not revealed himself yet she's thinking he's the gardener said to him sir if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take, take him away. 
And Jesus said to her, Mary, isn't this powerful? As soon as he called her by name, boom. I believe God knows us by name. We're not just some number. We're not just some part of the masses of humanity. He knows us by name. You have to hear that. You matter. And he said, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. What a powerful story. But I don't think that we fully sometimes understand and grasp sometimes the full meaning because of tradition, because of certain things that may have been taught, may have gotten passed down historically. I mean, I, I asked my wife, you know, this morning when, because basically, like I said, I had a whole other sermon written out. Basically, I, I told somebody, I, I said this in the first sermon, I said, this is kind of one of those sermons, I, you just get in the car and we're going for a drive. I didn't I didn't fully know where we're going, you know. You just get in the car and you go, how many of you ever done it? You just got in the car and I say, where are you going? I don't know, we're just going for a drive. I had, had one uh, of our elders' wives come up to me afterwards. She said, Pastor, you need to get in the car and go for a drive more often. <laughs> she liked the message. <laughs> so, uh, so we're just going to get in the car and go for a drive. We'll, we'll see what God does and says as we, as we kind of go along here. But, uh, but some interesting facts, you know, I, I, I asked my wife and, and I even asked uh, one, of, one of our pastors and, and uh, um, some different ones, and I, and I said, when I say Mary Magdalene, what's your thoughts? Ooh, a promiscuous woman, a woman of the night, a known prostitute. And yet in Scripture... You never, ever find that. It's not there. And in Eastern Orthodox, they still today, they, they've never taught it, never have believed it. And in all their writings and all their teachings and everything, it never make a, refer, a reference to Mary. And Magdalene is not her surname. It's not her last name. It's like Jesus of Nazareth. There's a lot of Marys in the Bible. Mary was a very popular name and still is, right? Come on, everybody know a Mary? <laughs> yeah. And so here is Mary Magdalene from Magdalai that was down around the Sea of Galilee. She's down around the, I mean, where the, it's happening. If you've ever been to Israel, that's a nice area. It's kind of a higher end, you know, expensive area in some, some of those places. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it's a great place. And during their time, that's where Jesus' headquarters were, was established. And they operated out of Galilee, 
around the Sea of Galilee, and you'll see where most of the ministry was happening there, he traveled up to Jerusalem and through some of the other villages and cities, it says, preaching, teaching, healing, doing ministry. But here's this woman that all of a sudden, because they say that, that actually this happened a couple of hundred years ago when an when a actual priest preached a message and labeled Mary as a prostitute as the woman that was in the house of the Pharisee when uh, Jesus was sitting there and he preached it as she was the woman that was there wiping Jesus' feet with her hair and her tears. But it does not say that that was Mary Magdalene. Matter of fact, what we read for our offering today in Luke chapter 8, we recognize that she was obviously an individual of means because she was listed with Joanna. <laughs> Remember her husband was Chusa, who was Herod's business manager. Oh yeah, Herod's business manager. <laughs> You're talking about higher-end folks. You're talking about a, a whole realm of the in-crowd. Now, here's the thing. She was Jewish, but she didn't always act Jewish. So maybe she was off track. Maybe she gotten involved in maybe some mysticism and you know when you think about a lot of the the Greek mythology and some of the worship the pagan worship and some of the things that were going on but because obviously it does say that in that list of those that were there that Jesus had ministered deliverance from evil spirits and even healed some of them from their infirmity so they had been healed they had been delivered set free I don't know about you, but I, I thank God that, that it, the, the, the whole package wasn't just forgiveness. It's great to be forgiven. I thank God that there is forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. But here's what I have found. God loved me enough to accept me in the place that he finds me, but he loves me enough to not leave me in that place. He wants to bring me to a higher place of living life. Free. That's God's desire so that we don't keep living in that lower lifestyle of life, not understanding that there's so much more for us to experience. And I believe that this Mary Magdalene, who knows, who knows her background? We don't know everything. But, but somehow she was a person of means because it says out of her own resources, she was able to help fund the ministry of Jesus and the disciples. So she's a person of means. She may have been a business owner down. She may have had the top restaurant on the Galilee. We don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, it doesn't say. But it sure enough doesn't call her a prostitute. Isn't it amazing how rumors get started? I mean, I, I, you know, uh, how many of you, don't raise your hand. Just, I'll be the only one. How many of you got a before Christ stuff? You know, and it's amazing sometimes that, that I'll hear stories about myself, and I'm thinking, Lord, did I do that? I don't remember doing that. You know, stories can grow. 
Rumors can get going. All kinds of stuff happens, right? And yeah, there's some stuff that, yes, I'm guilty <laughs> as charged. <laughs> you know, I mean, what do you do? You know, when somebody calls in on the prayer line on Sunday morning and says, tell Pastor Walt that I forgive him for beating me up. <laughs> the thrills and challenges of pastoring in your hometown where you grew up. <laughs> so, so, yeah, there's some stuff I am guilty of. Now, come on, look in the mirror. How many of you are going to have to say? But, you know, it's, it's crazy how rumors can get going and how stuff can be said about you or, get you know, certain perceptions, certain things. And here, Mary from Magdala has carried this reputation for all these years. But who was she really? Well, from this passage, there's some real insightful things that's here. And the first thing is, obviously, she had had her heart broke. It says of her, all the other disciples fled, they left, they, they were scared. Yet here was Mary at the foot of the cross, along with some other Marys, seeing her Lord, seeing this, this man that she knew to be Messiah, that she had financially supported and invested in, in the ministry and, and she watched him heal the lame and open blind eyes and set captives free and even in her own life because it, it affirms this in multiple places that seven devils, seven evil spirits had come out of her. She had experienced tremendous deliverance in her own life and maybe was healed from some ailment, possibly a disease. Why, why, I mean, all of a sudden you begin to look at her life. You know, the Bible talks about that those that are forgiven much love much, but those that love much can also get hurt the most. And here this amazing person in her life, Jesus, that they had put all their hopes and dreams in, was now crucified. And here she is three days later. She goes to that tomb and his body's missing. And now even his body's gone. And she's brokenhearted. See, here, here's the thing. Uh, you know, from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, if you go back to Luke chapter 4, you find that when he was anointed, one of the key things that it says there is that he was anointed to heal the brokenhearted. And I think it says it in that kind of way because the reality is I think every human being is going to have some level of heartbreak. We've all, you know, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a, a dream we thought, you know, that some, an investment, a, maybe a child that went wayward. There's all kinds of things that can happen in this life that breaks our heart to some degree. But aren't you glad that we serve a Savior, a loving God, that says, I'll heal your broken heart. 
We don't have to just somehow say, you know, time will help us. Time does help in some ways, but not always, because you can get bitter. You get bitter, you won't get better. But if you'll be like Mary, who is willing to trust Him, because that's really what it's about. It's about trusting Him. But here she was weeping, and Jesus invades her world and says, Mary, Obviously, something shifted right then. He'll heal the brokenhearted. But you know what else I found? Just, just in that passage, the way here she is, she had been to the tomb, she returns to the tomb, she's, she's still there, she's, she's, the angels talk to her, and all of a sudden, from behind her, Jesus spoke she turns he's standing there he doesn't reveal himself right then and then in that moment he says mary you know what sometimes god is closer than we'll ever realize god is closer Sometimes he's already waiting for us to arrive in that situation. He knows what we're about to enter into. He knows the heartache. He knows what's going on. I, I, I just, God is such a loving God. And we're going to face tribulation and struggles and, and, and defeat and different things in life. That happens. Life happens. But there is such hope when you know that there is a loving God that he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am always with you. And God is closer than sometimes we'll ever realize. Sometimes we can think that, well, he's just way up there and we're way down here and we're just doing our thing and we're just kind of struggling through life and doing the best we can. But the reality is, God is involved in the, even the details of our lives. He's close. Maybe closer than we even realize. But the other thing that I really observed with Mary, she, she was all out, an all-out seeker. <laughs> when you look at, obviously, she experienced some kind of transforming touch from heaven through Jesus' ministry, had gotten free from those demonic spirits, and now, obviously, she was a Christ follower. She pursued the things of God. She was looking always for those things. I, I wish there was more historical things that told us about Mary and where all God took her and what, how God used her. But but just keep in mind that in this, she was a woman that followed hard after him. You know, the Bible, New Testament says that if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. Old Testament, throughout Scripture, it says that if we seek him with all our hearts, we'll find him. She was a seeker. Some of the disciples missed out on the amazing blessing. <laughs> they left. They went back home. 
For fear, they ran into their houses and locked the doors. These big old strong. <laughs> and here's a woman. Fearless. A woman. That was a seeker. That pursued him. That loved him. I mean, here's, she had arrived there to... to they had anointed his body, but they, you know, or the, the whole idea in this in Jewish custom is, is there was an anointing for the body, and, and it was an embalming that they did, basically. And she was determined to care for him, even in his death. Have we set our hearts to pursue him even when it looks like there was death involved? Death of a dream? Death of a situation that you thought there was no hope for that? I'm telling you, if you're a seeker of God, he can be found in that. And then the last thing was, it's amazing how this happens. In each of, each of these situations, you're going to see, it doesn't matter what obstacle that individuals or disciples were faced with, challenges that, that were there, even with Mary, he gives her an assignment. Now here she is. She's weeping, brokenhearted. She's, she's distraught. She's, you know... Been like, God, where are you in this situation? And then through that process, all of a sudden he's saying, Hey, why are you crying? <laughs> why are you crying? As a matter of fact, why don't you go tell the other disciples that I have appeared and I have spoke to you? Gives her an assignment. See, if we're not careful, we can, we can camp in places. We'll, we'll camp in our, come on, we, misery loves company too. We just invite others to come, you know, inhabit this space of misery with us. Right? <laughs> and yet, in the, in, you know, in that, you know, it's, it's like, God is wanting us to break out of that. Sometimes I have found when I was sometimes struggling the most, hurting the most, feeling like I was defeated the most, and yet in those moments, God brings someone that needs ministry, and you realize they got it a lot worse than I do. And you're going, okay, it's not so bad. <laughs> you look at somebody else's situation, you're going, hey, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And yet in those moments, and, I, and it's been amazing to sometimes see the correlation. They may, know a, they may not know a thing. And all of a sudden somebody shows up and there's a real like need in your own life. And now you're presented with an opportunity to minister to them. And you're thinking, I'm the one that needs ministered to. Come on, has anybody else felt that way? <laughs> and yet here's a situation, here's a person, and it's like, in that process, God using you, it's amazing how God meets your own needs. How God will heal your own heart. 
how God will work on your situation when you're willing to look past that and get involved in helping someone else. Allowing Jesus to live through you. And I believe that's what was going on when you think about Mary. Jesus wasn't done with her. Jesus wasn't disappointed in her. Jesus had an assignment still for her life. And it says that she went to tell the disciples. Look at the history, the real history. (laughs) Not rumors, real history that was written about Mary from Magdala. And how God would use her. You know, we wanna, we're going to be doing baptisms here in just a moment. And we know that we've presented that some of you may be here that you need water baptized and maybe you didn't prepare, you didn't bring your stuff. You know, Listen, we have stuff. We, we, if, for all those being baptized, we want to take this moment, we want to go ahead and dismiss you and allow you an opportunity to be able to go and, and uh, prepare for that. And again, if, if you're here and maybe you didn't bring the things that you need, feel free to still go. If, you, if you're like, man, I need to be baptized. Because here's, here's one of the things that happened. You know, it, right after uh, the early church was given birth to and Peter stood up and preached the first message, and it says that the Jewish people that he was preaching to were cut to their heart. I said, what must we do to be saved? He said, he said repent, turn to God. <laughs> be baptized that was key this outward expression of this inward work that was going on but at the same time if you read Romans chapter 6 water baptism is powerful because it talks about that it's like laying this old man to rest in this watery grave and being able to come back out of that with resurrection life. I've seen people set free from stuff just through that process. And then the last thing that he said there is receive the Holy Spirit. If you're here and you need baptized, don't hesitate. I did that one time in Lockhart, and I had a guy just jump up and start running, emptying pockets, dove in. Just jumped in. (laughs) Come on. You have a revival break loose of that going on. <laughs> Today in this message, you matter. And I want to give you an opportunity for some that may be here to really make a decision to become a Christ follower. We had amazing services last week. You know, we, we had... Uh, 1,350 some odd people that, that, that were here at the Life Church last week. That was awesome. <laughs> In those three services. Lots of people gave their life to Jesus. And that wasn't even counting what went on at uh, Arlington. <laughs> you know, we got Pastor Olin in, at the Arlington campus today. And uh, God's just doing some amazing things. God is reaching more people. And we want you to be a part of this. His love, his desire is to see you 
Make those decisions and make that commitment. Because that's, that's really where it starts is just saying, you know what, I want to be a Christ follower. That's what happened with Mary Magdalene. Somewhere in that overall ministry of Jesus, her and some of those other prominent women stepped out and said, I'm going to follow Jesus. Is that you today? Are you willing to say, I'm here to surrender my life? Maybe some of you have been running a long time. Let the running in today. Why not just surrender to Him? I sense there's, man, there's someone that God wants to use in a big way. I'm talking. And And I honestly think that you may be a woman that's sitting right here. And you have discounted, you have made excuses, you have... There are talents. There is gifting in you. There are some, some almost just gift of faith in you to just step out. And yet you have failed to fully surrender to His Lordship. And if you'll do that and you'll make that commitment today, you're going to see God do something spectacular in your life. Now I believe that can go for all of us at whatever level that we surrender. But for one, I believe that is going to be incredible. And I pray that you'll make that decision. Let's bow our, bow our heads just for a moment, close our eyes. If you're here, I want to I open this up just for those right now that need to be, make that decision to become a Christ follower. And if you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I want to pray that prayer because, see, it begins with a profession of faith. God didn't make it hard. I, I am so thankful that it wasn't a difficult thing. For me, in my own bedroom, not having heard the gospel preached, not having... I didn't, I didn't know about this stuff. But I read John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. And I prayed the most simplistic prayer, somewhat a little bit like what I'm going to help lead you in today. And if you'll make this your prayer, God's going to do something special. If that's you, and you say, Pastor, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life, whether it's for the first time, or to rededicate your life, I want you to just raise up your hand. I'm going to pray for you. And then lead you in a prayer. Any here that says, Pastor, yes, hands are going up. Anyone else, just go ahead and raise them up. Any others, yes. Any others, just go ahead, yes. Some others, yes. Father, we thank you for these that are acknowledging their need right here this morning. Today at the Life Church, we thank you for these decisions and what will take place as they are truly able to experience your love and that you would translate them from darkness to light sever every bondage every hindrance from their life bring freedom this morning along with the forgiveness that you offer and Father we thank you for that I'm going to basically lead you in a prayer 
And as I do, I'm going to invite everyone to pray this out loud. We want to help you. Now, all I'm doing is lending you some words. You have to mean this from your heart. I can't do the believing for you. You've got to believe. But if you'll make this your own personal prayer, you're going to see something very wonderful, very powerful happen. And so if that's you, and you raised your hand, or you should have raised your hand, and you want to pray, let's all pray this out loud together. Let's pray this. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price, the penalty for my sin. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and Savior. Now help me to live for you all the days of my life. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's program at the Life Church. Our prayer is that you've been blessed by this morning's message and that God would continue to speak into your heart throughout the week. We are so excited about what God is doing right here at the Life Church as we connect people with God's purpose. Again, if you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us for a visit at 3301. TLC Way. We have two Sunday morning services for you to choose from, 9.15 and 11 a.m. Again, our prayer is that you've been blessed and we hope you have a great week.